analogy for me, well, as I've got older, I've got more and more into gardening. And as long as the roots are strong in the plants, like, it's going to grow. Even if the seasons pass and things go up and down, if you take care of, if the foundations are good, if the roots are strong, then the business will grow. Hi, I'm Aaron Levy, and I have this crazy vision of a workplace where your manager doesn't suck. Where instead of being the reason you quit your job, is actually the reason you stay. Where your manager is your coach, helping you to reach your full potential at work. I founded Raise the Bar, wrote Open, Honest, and Direct, and started this podcast to help companies transform their workplace by creating an environment where both the company and employee succeeds. In this podcast, I get to interview leaders who build high-performing teams and learn from them on what it takes to unlock their team's potential. Today, I'm lucky to have Jonathan Legg, the co-founder and CEO of And Open, a corporate gifting company that lets you send the perfect gift from options designed and developed specifically for your brand. In today's episode, Jonathan talks about why they decided to bootstrap for the first three years, not hiring a sales or marketing person or looking for funding. He also talks about how focusing on their purpose and values gave them a competitive advantage in the recruiting space and in retaining their clients. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Jonathan is definitely a thoughtful, creative, and thinks a little bit different than a lot of the startups that we've talked to and seen in the past. Enjoy. Welcome on, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to be here, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Your company and open, you've been open for about three and a half years and are experiencing some pretty impressive growth in your early stages. Tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, we've been growing fairly organically and to get to where we are today, we've grown out of a bit, I don't want to use the word pivoting because it wasn't really a pivot, but the nature of what we're doing evolved. So if we go back five years, we had a business called Makers and Brothers that was a direct-to-consumer brand selling high-end lifestyle homewares. But a lot of businesses were coming to us um, looking to source gifts for their customers. So we were working with their marketing teams. And when we kind of looked into it, it was like over 30% of our revenue was coming from this space. So we started talking to those customers, <coughs> trying to understand better. And one of those clients was Airbnb in out of a conversation with them, we got brought into an RFP and we were up against seven US retailers. We it was a six month process, fairly rigorous. And we were definitely the wild card in the mix. But um, out of the back of that, we won a contract to become Airbnb's global gifting partner. And that was a step change in our business, as you can imagine. Their yeah. customer base is global. Their, their, their kind of volume of transactions they're moving it's phenomenal and we have been helping them connect with their customer base for the last three years and that has really helped us grow organically as well um, as we haven't had to take any funding and has taught us a lot of lessons. Airbnb isn't your only client, you have other large clients. How are you able to bring in these large companies as a small growing business yourself? Beyond Airbnb, we're working with Turo and WeWork and, and Cam, the meditation app, which is really interesting. We're in a fairly competitive marketplace. There's definitely a lot of competition out there. But within that space, it's not even we're trying to create our own niche. Like we're trying to reimagine the marketplace and just do it better than anybody else. And that's like to really understand what do our clients' customers want and to prioritize the human experience within all of that. So it's like looking beyond the numbers and looking beyond... <laughs> volumes and kind of this 
dash towards best value, and but think about the values themselves. And so if you're thinking about our clients' customers as people, how do they want to be treated? And how do you ensure that the gifts that are landing with them are going to resonate with them? Because our job is to help build a bridge between the brands and their customers. So it's a job of, of making those connections. But connections are, there's so many different ways you can connect, but they're not a, a quantitative thing, like they're a qualitative thing. So it's the quality of the connection that builds those relationships. And we can do that pretty well with gifting like you're landing a parcel in somebody's hands that speaks of the brand values and it resonates with the recipient and it, it turns them into loyal advocates for that brand and by taking that approach by kind of prioritizing the human experience and by just always focusing on that end user on their customers i think that's really helped us attract brands like airbnb and cam and Turo and we work it appeals to them. Like they're very customer centric themselves. They're at the forefront of their spaces as well. Going back just a little bit to kind of the, the very start of the growth of the business and, you know, landing a large client like an Airbnb and, you know, having the necessary growth that comes with that part of the then expectation is, okay, well, let's bring on sales. Let's bring on funding. Let's, you know, we've got something here. Let's move this and expand this really fast. And definitely in the U S that's something that, we see over and over again and what drove the decision to grow organically and continue growing organically the way you have? I don't think that that approach never really appealed to us. We had seen others do that. And for as many successories are there, there is like thousands more failures. And if you're not ready yourself to do that and you're just following what like seems to be the, the, the thing you're supposed to do, and if you're not prepared, then it's so easy to to lose track of what you're doing and just get knocked knocked over. We have built a business model that allowed us have the cash to power the business along. But beyond that, I think we wanted to be stable and strong and really understand what we are doing before we looked to fuel our growth more aggressively. Analogy from me, well, as I've got older, I've got more and more into gardening. <laughs> and as long as the roots are strong in a plant, like it's going to grow. Even that the seasons pass and things go up and down. If you take caring, if the foundations are good, if the roots are strong, then the business will grow. And we wanted to take the past three years to establish our roots, to establish a foundational team across every kind of aspect of the business and for everybody to be very comfortable in what they're doing and to first have built up that trust. So now as we like, we're looking to start accelerating our growth now over the next few months and years, and we're ready, like we're very confident in what we're doing. We understand our market better than we ever did. We understand our weaknesses and our strengths and adding some strategic money in there as well. Like not just money, but people who can bring adult experience to our space. I think then we can really watch ourselves grow and not just kind of naively think more money means bigger and better things. That's such a unique perspective to take. As you said, there are, you know, a few that really work that explode and thousands more that that don't, that blow up, that fizzle out. I love the analogy, let's build the roots, let's build the infrastructure, let's build the team. Was that something that was an instant decision or was that something that you continued to flirt along with along the way of a van open i don't think it was an instant decision like personally uh, <laughs> maybe this is a 
a weakness of like I'm not one for like lots of instant decisions because we we have flirted along the way with VCs and we've spoken to investors and but that's also like to the place now where we're ready to take on money we've we've also like taken the time over the last 18 months to to build those relationships and to understand because I think taking on money like that also if you rush into it like it's like a marriage or anything like that like you're, you're building a relationship that you want to last so you need to get to know each other it's not like it's not just where do I sign and and how much money are you going to give me so it's just taking the time like it's it builds patience and resolve and you have to be very resilient to be bootstrapped for three years but it also builds real diligence around your numbers like we're we're in the middle of a pandemic we're still here we haven't had to take in any emergency funding or anything like we've just been able to manage our cash flow really carefully and we've learned that by having to make do with what we had that's an incredible insight and really critical as right now right we are in the middle of covid and you know when march and february hit it caused a lot of stress and panic because a lot of companies were we're operating based on their funding and based on the prospect yeah. of future growth and not operating based on what's real and true about the business today. And yeah. and I think that really has changed or will change the the landscape of venture capital and funding to say, hey, we want businesses that not only have the future to deliver, but are delivering now. What are some of the other insights that you've learned along the way by bootstrapping it versus going straight at growth, explosive growth? Other insights? People think you're crazy. As soon as you start, as soon as you start dipping into that whole ecosystem of VCs and other founders, yeah, many think you're crazy. But you do find a lot of smart ones that um, understand what you're doing and understand the pace you're setting. It's hard to hire people because you don't have the money to battle out. Particularly, like we're based in Dublin, and pretty much all of the major tech businesses that like are based in the US have their European outposts here and engineering teams, large engineering teams here. So it's hard for us to recruit. And so that's very much about like owning our purpose from the get-go and being clear about what we're we're doing and how we are are a gifting business, but fundamentally we're operating in the world in the domain of loyalty. And our approach to that is about care, about taking care of every touch point within the experience, about making sure we're prioritizing care at every, every moment. So kind of, Establishing your values and knowing what you're about when you don't have money to throw at a problem when you're recruiting, that can really help because people come on board because they like your vision. They like where you want to take the company and they like how you how you want to treat your clients and their customers. I always talk about the three most important things that any leader, any organization can do is bring clarity to their people of where we're going, what are we doing, give context, why are we going there, right? What's our purpose? Yeah and create a safe space. And it sounds like naturally based on the circumstances of your situation and not having the money to compete, you spent your energy bringing clarity of what we're doing and why we're doing it to the market. And that was able to bring you what sounds like some pretty special talent. Yeah, no, I think it has. I think who like are very on board with, with our mission and what we're looking to do. And you mentioned earlier that you made, you've made plenty of mistakes along the way. What's one of the more telling mistakes that you made that has influenced how you are operating differently today? Delegation is a key thing. Also, like understanding my role and understanding that um, I'm not there to answer every problem. My background is design. 
um, and design thinking. And, and like, I always think about design as an approach or an, an, an attitude or like a way of solving problems. So understanding where I'm best placed to make an impact and where I can help join the dots in a different way to create a difference, as opposed to putting myself in the middle of everything and trying to do everything. I think that's something that's a massive lesson I've had in the last 12 months in particular, as we've, as like things have sped up and we've got that much bigger. What has forced you to learn that lesson? If you could tell us a story or share an incident, because that thing can really help us learn from you. The way we want to compete in our marketplace is about being able to stay ahead and to continually evolve and, and innovate what we're doing. And as such, I'm working very closely with our engineering and our design team all the time. Get myself kind of deeply involved in that as we're, as we're developing new technologies. And like we're about to launch a whole new kind of digital gifting tool next month. If I put myself too much in the middle of a process, or if anybody does, and becomes too fundamental to a decision-making process when they don't need to be, when they just need to know you've got the right team in place, brief them the right manner, step back and step in at the end to help refine some elements of it. I've made a lot of mistakes of putting myself at the kind of fulcrum of all the decisions in the building of a, of a new product. It slowed things down and creates a lot of unnecessary swirl. So yeah, detaching myself from a lot of that has been what I've been trying to do over the last year. I'm not there yet, but it's definitely better than it was. It's an ongoing process, our growth and development. Oh yeah. We just keep coming across new horizons and new opportunities as we go along. And that to me is also really interesting. Like I couldn't tell you where, exactly where our business is going to be in 10 years, but the, I know its values will be true. You'll still be standing in your values and, and you'll be standing into that. But where you know, the business trajectory is, you're not exactly sure, which is uh, a breath of fresh air, to be honest. What's that 10-year plan? Like I mentioned earlier, like we're a gifting business, but we operate in the domain of loyalty. And I think possibly now also like more than ever before, like loyalty is a vital asset and it's a human impulse in, in kind of what's become a hyper digital world. Uh, loyalty has existed for longer than any of us. And so I think if anchoring our business around that thinking around those kind of very primal ways of people and relationships and, and connecting, I think that gives us the foundation and space to grow. So like, like our focus is on loyalty and our customers are all gifting into the space of a kind of customer support and marketing loyalty, but like loyalty should be ingrained from the very beginning. So like we, we can also grow into the space of gifting within the sales funnel. Um, we can also grow into the space of gifting within the recruitment space and with hiring and onboarding and just kind of employee loyalty. So there's lots of space for us to grow our business. I think if you can ground your business in something as primal as, as the thinking around loyalty, it'll really give you space to, to grow that business and also to learn a lot as you go along. So. Yeah, and, and I think it's really interesting the way you're talking about it because we often confuse and bring together the, the how and the why. Right. The why is creating loyalty and the how that you're currently doing it is corporate gifting. But what you're saying is the why isn't going to change for us. That's primal. That's human. Right. It is yeah. loyalty amongst human beings. What what that allows us to do is to change the how in the future as the future changes. Right. Whether that is sales or referrals or employee loyalty. What you know you'll stay true to is loyalty. Like I had a meeting with our team this morning and I was 
talking about our digital gifting piece we're launching soon and how, how that's all going to come about and one of the questions back was like but when we talk about the gifts we design for our, our clients and how we like take on board their brand values and like it's so important we share the provenance of the gift as well so like when the person receives it they're not just being gifted a candle they're being gifted a candle that was made of beeswax which is super sustainable and the most natural source of wax and purifies the air when it's been burnt and they're also being gifted the candle because they are very caring hosts and they open up their home but in the world of digital gifting how do you do that same thing like if fundamentally all you're doing is giving somebody cash like what's the point or like like in so many of competitors just like give vouchers but for me it's about how you contextualize that gift so even if you're just giving somebody cash it's the story you tell around that it's how you suggest they spend that and how that suggested spend aligns with what you know about them and the interests they have and like the time of year or the time of day or whatever however you're landing that gift and the timing of that gift that if you can really frame the context of it and and, and build a narrative around it then it's so much more than just giving them cash you're giving them a gift and ultimately they can do what they want to, with it but you're showing them that you've thought about them and you're aware of them and you're looking to build that connection and it's really doing what we don't often do so well in the business world, which is slowing down and being thoughtful about what we want to deliver and why we want to deliver it. And I spent probably 45 minutes to an hour this morning thinking about what gifts to give a few panelists on a panel that I just had because they were really awesome and gave their time. And it took me a while and I wanted to look up their, where they're from and what we were talking about and end up being yeah. donations to a couple of charities. But that took time to think of something and be conscious about what those choices were. And my, my instant reaction was, I wish I could just go somewhere, click a button and know that somebody else is, is doing that thought for me because I want to do that thought, but I don't have the time or I'm not going to make the time to do that thought. Technology comes in, but like we kind of build all that in for the clients. So you're right, then they, all they do have to do is click a button. What makes you feel ready to grow and expand at a more rapid pace now? As we're self-funded, like. We've only made our first marketing hire two months ago and our first sales hire a month ago. So there's really amazing brands in our sales funnel at the moment. <laughs> They're coming to us because they've read what we've written or they've seen what we've been doing for the few clients we do have. And they really like what they see and they like how we're going about it. And what's interesting is there's a few businesses in our sales funnel that have been disrupting their marketplaces probably for the last decade and have been growing like crazy and been doing it really, really well. And now they're like, actually, how are we retaining these customers? Or even in the last six months, like they've had exceptional growth, but they're realizing like, that's not going to last forever. And we need to hold on to this customer base. And like, we ourselves are being disrupted. So how do we start moving from kind of transactional moments to actually building these relationships? Like we have been seeding out our thinking for three years now and it's beginning to get a little bit of traction, like not that much, but enough that some big global players are coming to talk to us with a little bit more money here, we can really scale up our marketing and we can actually start to build out a sales team and we can engage in all these conversations and we can start to help them build those relationships and create loyal customer bases. So I'd say that's been one of the big things is knowing that we have a few great customers and They've been loyal to us. So we know we have a business model that works and we know the market is interested in what we have to offer. Yeah, and you've been so thoughtful about it. And, and as you said earlier, the roots 
It sounds like that you feel really strong about the roots that you that you have in your in your business. Thank you for sharing your story and your time here with us. I know you know there's a lot of learning that can be had from the way in which you've built and grown your business. Yeah, like we we love what we're doing. The team are really excited about our future. So thanks for listening. Want to hear more great stories like this one? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And as always, you can drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com.